eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Title 24, first episode presented by NBC Sports. I'm Ricky Carmichael alongside one of the best to ever do it, Ryan Villapoto, and we got some special stuff happening with you guys all through Super Motocross Series each week. Going to be a, uh, a lot of fun, and uh, I'm excited to do this. Ryan, how about yourself? Um, I'm stoked, man. Um, you know, we put this together really quick with the help of uh, you guys, Jage, Aaron, everybody at uh, NBC. Uh, so I'm really stoked to, uh, you know, have our own podcast. It's been something I've talked about for a while, and Jage rang me up a couple weeks ago, and we made this thing happen really quick. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, everyone tuning into the show will will enjoy it. The significance uh, of the two four, if if anyone is, is is wondering about that, is between Ryan and I, we have twenty four uh, major national championships, and uh, so that's where the two and the four came from. So uh, it's it's ironic when we were putting this thing together, Ryan. I'm like, oh wow, this is crazy. So. Uh, for all you guys wondering the significance, that's uh, that's what it's about. But uh, before we get going, uh, we got some great partners involved. Uh, the first is United Motorsports. Uh, they got six locations across Ohio and Kentucky. Some great people uh, running that company. Um, some um, some personal friends of mine uh, also. So we're happy that uh, they're a part of it. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, they're going to launch their. Um, launch their online store, which I think will be, will, will be massive. Uh, second, Quadlock, the leader in phone cases and mounts. They got, they got it all for all your needs, off-road needs, whether it's bicycles, motorcycles, boats, side-by-sides, cars. cars. Uh, my favorite is they got like a little uh, phone charging deck. Uh, love that. You can just throw your phone on the counter and it charges while you're going. And then last but not least, Boxo USA, incredible tool company. Uh, for whatever you need as far as tools go. They got you dialed uh, quality, lifetime guarantees. So uh, nevertheless, uh, this wouldn't be possible without them. So happy that they're along for the ride. And we got some fun giveaways and things that we're going to be doing along the way as well. But uh, I think let's just get right into it. And, and, and Ryan, I think the biggest thing, the news, and I didn't think this was going to happen. I want to hear what you got to say is the news about Eli Tomac coming out saying he's going to race pro motocross championship and then the SMX uh, playoff rounds for the inaugural SMX World Championship uh, series and, and the title. What what are your thoughts? Did you anticipate that? I did not anticipate that. Um, you know, nobody really knows what, uh, you know, Eli's got running through his head right now. But from a fan's per- perspective, from, from um, <clears throat> you know, the racing to have Eli sign back up to do you know, the pro motocross series and then, and then finish off with SMX is, is huge. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've all, you've done it, I've done it retired, um, you know, and it leaves the fans kind of hanging. So I'm stoked to be able to, you know, watch and have him come back out and continue his racing at at the top of where he's at right now. Um, you know, these guys are gunning for him. Um, Cooper, Sexton, um, Jason, you know, all those top guys, but it's really good to see him continue on with his racing and uh, see where this goes. Cause I think we're, we're, we're not done with watching some great racing throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. I wonder, like, you know, I, I personally wasn't anticipating that to happen. I thought he was just going to ride off into the sunset. I mean, you, you know, better than anyone, just like the mental, the mental aspect of it. And just when you're a champion, multi-time champion, like him, the grind that it has on you mentally, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to keep going. I really didn't. Uh, To your point, selfishly, I'm pumped because, um, you know, I I love watching him each and every weekend. I think he brings a lot to the sport, even our younger, uh, our younger demographic. Um, He's just a great, I mean, he's a great ambassador. Um, Yeah, a real household name, um, household name. And and I think ultimately, I think Star Racing has done a great job with 
keeping him happy. Clearly, um, it's if he's winning races, um, he's on a great machine, but ultimately he has to be happy and want to keep racing, right? So um, I think they've done a, a great job with keeping him, um, you know, enticed, if that's the word, or keeping him involved. So I'm stoked to see him to, to see him to keep racing and, and like I said, sign up for pro motocross and uh, SMX. So I, I, I'm, I'm really, really, uh, I think everybody should be pumped. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was great. Uh, Arlington triple crown freaking the triple crown um, is always bringing the action. In my opinion, I love them. I know the riders don't like it. <laughs> uh, I, I understand why they don't like it uh, from a perspective of getting on the gate a couple more times and, you know, being exposed to the first corner, but damn, I mean, that, it, it puts on a, a really good show. And um, do you, I mean, do you like the triple? I don't even know. Did you even race the triple crown? The Triple Crown would be Monster Cup, if you call it that, um, you know, the three gate drops. But ultimately, yeah, as a racer, it definitely is tough. But I hate to tell everybody this, but that could be the new thing in the future, you know, the Triple Crown. Um, as we were just talking before the show um, started, that <clears throat> men is action packed, you know, for what I think it was around 48 laps total that that, yep. that, that the riders did in the 450 class. Yeah. Um, so it's an action-packed night, lots of racing, three gate drops. There's really, there's really, there's not a lull in in a triple crown event, you know. So from a from a from an ex racer standpoint, from my standpoint, um, I'm stoked to watch it. It's definitely action-packed. Um, I get what they're going through with the pressure of three gate drops and all that, but ultimately, it makes great TV, and uh, great TV is is happy fans. <laughs> So we talk about uh, – so break it down like 250. Dude, I wasn't expecting Thrasher to come out and do as well as he did, especially with the knee injury. And, uh, you know, not that I, I not that I don't believe in him, but, I mean, I go back to that first – the first race of the night, and, dude, he was, he was giving Hunter Lawrence all the pressure that I would have wanted to have from anyone, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, Thrasher was was on the gas <clears throat> at Dallas, and he put himself in great positions all start all three gate drops, you know. And Hunter um, labored a little bit off, you know, in one of those one of the races. Um, you remember, like I said, where there's three gate drops, so um, one of those he had to kind of come through the pack a little bit. And Thrasher put himself in in great positions all three of those motos. Um, so I think that he's. He's coming on strong. We do know he's got a knee injury. Um, I've dealt with that, Ricky. You've dealt with that. You know, yeah. so those things can just pop up in the middle of a of a race and and uh, cause havoc. Um, but as of right now, he's he's managing his uh, torn ACL um, very well. And and to be honest, it doesn't look like there's anything you know wrong with him. And uh, you know, that's good to see. It's good to see someone able to push through and ride with an injury like that. Um, and still put it up on the box and, uh, you know, win races and, and contend to win, win races and, and push for that championship. You, uh, it'd be, an, I mean, that'd be a hell of a, a feat if he's able to go the distance, right. And challenge. It would Hunter. be, it would be, it, it, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Hunter's riding really well, the consistency. Um, I feel like this year, Hunter, last year we've had, you know, Hunter rode really well definitely made some mistakes, um, you know, here and there, but this year seems like he's managing those mistakes very well. And it kind of seems like he's a different rider when it mentally, um, out there on the track, like he's not getting, um, ex as excited. I don't think, you know, in the past we've seen, you know, Hunter have some amazing races and, and win some awesome, awesome, uh, races out there, supercross races and outdoors. But, we've always had little kind of mistakes. We've always looked at, I've always looked at personally me, I've always looked at jet as being the more consistent one, but now hunters is, 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 is working on that. And now between the two of them, they're probably the most two consistent riders out there, let alone brothers. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I was, uh, it, it's fun to see that. It's fun to see them guys like be challenged, you know? So I, I just, man, I just go back to, trying to race without an ACL. I mean, I was going to try to in 2004 and hell, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even make the series. I think one thing, uh, and, and we can close it out on the 250, but it's going to be interesting to see how Hayden Deegan um, 
response. I feel like this is the first weekend that he was kind of put to the test, you know, because he's done really well. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I always like to see how these guys respond. I'm like, okay, now now you've finally gotten gotten a taste. And what what's your expectations? Well, how does he respond to, you know, a mishap like that? Um, but also we're getting a little bit later in the season for, for, uh, for um, Hayden, you know, it's, it's weekend and week out, even though it's uh, seven or eight races for, for those guys, but as a rookie taking in that, all that pressure, every single weekend, you fly back on Sunday, you get back on the track on Monday and that stuff all starts compounding. So um, this is where you really see, you know, his training, his preparation, you know, the longevity that he'll be able to sustain what he's doing. So what the rebound is going to be the kicker part right now is, is how he can come back from those mistakes that he had this last weekend and put it back up front. So I know we have Daytona coming up this weekend, so that'll be a new track for him. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of learning to do for, for Hayden too, but I think he's done a phenomenal job up this thus far. Um, you know, and I think that the preparation that, that stars put into these kids um, I think that he will be able to rebound. I don't think that one mishap on a weekend is going to, um, you know, put Hay- put Hayden down. Yeah, I think he's. I, I agree with you. I totally think he's mentally strong, like strong enough to be like, okay, whatever. I screwed up the first race of the Triple Crown, but he did good the last two. So, yep. kind of to your point, yeah, he's he he did respond. You know, as far as the night goes, now that now that I sit here and think about it. But moving on to the four fifty. Man, I just, I mean, if you're a betting man, I mean, who the hell do you bet for? You know, like I see all this. I don't know, man. It's close. <laughs> I mean, like these fantasies, right? It's like, who do you pick? There you go. There's the points. Honestly, I haven't seen it this tight in a really long time. Um, I feel so, and this is where I want your expertise. Like th- I said this on the broadcast. I feel like all of these riders are right on the brink and you know how it is like, man, if you would have just went one or two more laps, you would have, you would have broke me. Right. So yeah, I feel yeah. like that's where these guys are at, whether you're Cooper Webb trying to wear down Eli Tomac or Sexton trying to wear down Eli Tomac. Like, do you feel like, who do you give the advantage to? And do you feel like they're at that, at that moment where it's a game it's between the ears? Yeah, good question. I think obviously we know, you know, kind of Eli, Eli had a mishap um, there in Dallas, <clears throat> nothing major, but just a little mistake off of the, um, off the tunnel jump there was able to, to gather it back up, get back out there. But yeah, right here, just lands, seems like the front starts to push, little, then the, the, the rear tire slides out behind him. Just a quick mistake was able to get back up. But to be honest, I was thinking about these top three riders, Chase, Eli and Cooper. And Eli, or I mean, Chase is, in my opinion, kind of in this limbo position. And what I mean by that is we, Eli's established that he's the guy to beat. And now we see Coop kind of coming up and he's the dark horse in this. I think Eli and, and, and Chase better have eyes in the back of their head because, you know, Coop's coming on strong. I know we're going into Daytona this weekend. Like I said before, that's Eli's place. He's phenomenal there. The odds of somebody beating him there probably slim to none, in my opinion. Um, but as we know, Coop keeps coming on and that's kind of what he's notorious for late in the season is to, is to keep pushing. And pretty soon right now, if we look where there's only a two gap, two point spread and he's kind of, I want, don't want to say he's come out of nowhere, but he's really, he wasn't the one to talk about early. It was Chase and Eli and now Coop is right there. So these guys better grow eyes in the back of their head because if not, they might get caught off guard by Coop. Wow. So you give. You give you give Eli just a slight advantage. I give Eli the slight advantage right now because because um, in my opinion, like I said, he he this is the best start to any season that he's had in Supercross. And I, I'm you mentioned on the broadcast how ballsy it was for him to to start on the outside gate like that or out more outside compared to everybody else. Right way outside the box. Um, there is no way, dude. Would you have done? We would have caught you out there. There's no way we would have caught you out there. No, would you have though? You know, <clears throat> when you said that, I was trying to think about what what am I get? How am I gonna come? Up, what am I gonna say to this? And the only thing that I could come up with is, hey, he's starting around guys that aren't as good as him, or and the bike's not as good as his. So if he can get that reaction time, and even if it's close, 
himself, the way he lays the power down, the bike lays the power down, he should be able to get a bar on everybody and then start moving left. Um, and literally that's what he did every start. And for him, he got three, three gate drops out of three gate drops. He got three damn good starts, which was, which is, is not something we normally see. Normally we botch one of them if, in, in, in a three, in a three race or a, yeah, three gate drop race. Right. So it was very interesting to see, um, you know, put himself in a great position, being able to come starting outside there. He was able to roll around that turn and then get that rhythm section right out of the, right out of the first turn, which gave him a little breathing room into that, into that left-hand turn, uh, into, in turn two. Um, so it all worked out for him, but risky move, risky move going outside like that on the game. Yeah, dude, you know, you, you know, you ain't seeing me out there. There is (laughs) no shot. I just, I understand what you're saying and you made, you, you, you bring up a great point about not to say the dudes on the inside of the dudes he were around were scrubs by any stretch of the imagination, but like, I guess, yeah, you'd rather start next to some, you know, not your main competitor. I, but dude, that is just, it's a risky move. It's, it was a real ballsy move and he was able to pull it off and put himself in great positions. All three of those. Yeah. You talked about, there was no, there was no defense tactics right there. That was, but to your point, like that's, that's just confidence. And I was going to say, it shows you the confidence that he's able to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go outside here. I, if I can get the jump, I can roll through that first turn and get that first rhythm section. So um, maybe that was his thought process, you know, Eli and his dad. Um, so I, I'm sitting here like, when, when does the, what does it take for the pendulum to swing, at least for you to give, say, a guy like Cooper, Cooper the edge, like how you're giving Eli the edge? Like, we're, we're, like what do you have to see in order for you, for you to be like, okay, not Cooper's the guy now? Honestly, I, <laughs> I think it's going to take Coop um, two or three race wins like in a row like to get that fire really lit underneath of him. Not that it's not lit. Um, <clears throat> we just watched him win, win the triple crown, you know, in, in Dallas. Now we're like, I said, like I said, I keep bringing up Daytona. Daytona's coming up. The odds of him beating Eli there, I'm going to go with slim to none. Um, if everything, if Eli rides a, a good race, that being said, if he rides a good race, gets a good start, puts himself in a great position, the odds of beating him are, are going to be very hard. So I think, after Daytona, that's where Coop's got to look at trying to to put himself in a position, get string off a couple wins, and get that pendulum to swing. I don't think it has anything to do with him, motorcycle, mentally. We know he's physically strong. We know he's mentally strong. He's one of the most mentally strong guys out there. Um, but really, that pendulum's just got to swing, and I think it's going to come with some race wins, consecutive race wins for him. And then that'll start playing into Eli's head a little bit too. Like, okay, I got it. I got to get back up on this. I got to get on the horse, and I got to. I got to stop him from gaining any more momentum. Right. Well, same old thing with uh, Sexton. And I, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, dude, but he lays it down and that rut, like tell me what Ryan Villapoto is thinking right here. If you're behind, if you're behind Eli, like, I mean, is it just um, a light bulb comes on and it's like, it happens again. You know, it's just like, it, it seems to always, just the little mistakes chase came into that turn. Um, that turn previously race had a nice inside deep rut. They brought the skiddies at skiddies out to, to prep some of the track, push that rut in. Um, and honestly, I, I watched it, listened to the broadcast, you know, really just push the motorcycle, push the tire too far for what it was leaned over that much with that, with the rut only being, you know, about this shallow from yeah. looks of it on TV, you know, like, that's something that you, as a rider, you have to, to, to be able to, you know, you have to know that you, know, you can only ask so much out of these tires at the speeds they're going and that far leaned over coming into the turn um, and was able to just come in there and just, just push the front wheel, you know, and such a bummer because he was in a great position right here. We're going to watch it again, right? Boom, just goes down loses the front that rut that rut wasn't even really established yet and look how far he's leaned over thinking he's going to grab something there there really was nothing there to grab so he would have had to tiptoe around that turn um you know to make it through safely but he just came in like there was a big old rut to 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 get into and bank off of and there was nothing there hey um futures was good i mean 
not really a surprise. I mean, when, when you consider Dax and Benick, who he rides with all the time. But the gnarly thing to me is the confidence that Benick has in himself and his, in his riding. Like, I think he had a legit deal from KTM, right? Like a, a, a long-time commitment. And he walked away from that to be on what is probably known as the best 250 program in the paddock for sure for several years now. And basically betting on himself with no deal from, from what I understand. And he's been, he's been laying it down in the futures. Yeah. He's been riding really well. You know, you take these young kids and you put them in um, amongst a full blown race team with guys that are, you know, racing for championships. Um, Only thing they can do is go up to be honest Um, manager, the injuries during the week, things like that. You know, you gotta be smart during the week. That's their biggest probably hurdle in, in, being at their age and being in the position they're in is they're trying to, they're trying to show everybody how fast they are They're you know, and get that position and show everybody that they're here to stay um, during the week and on the weekend. So it's like, we've talked about this before, the future is being a, a great platform for these young kids to be able to get into a stadium, ride a real supercross in front of real fans. Um, and, you know, Dax has done a phenomenal job. Deegan was able to, to go through there, race a few of those, you know, so I, I think it's a great platform, but, betting on himself, you know, you can't beat a betting man that's, you know, that that's betting on himself, you know, and he's putting in the work and knows that he's never, he hasn't left any, any stones unturned. Yeah. So um, Dax is putting himself in a great position. You think it like, because, because of his situation and like, as far as I know, he doesn't have a signed deal. Like why, like why wouldn't a guy like Mitch scoop him up? You know, like, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. You know, there's there's obviously we're not on that on the on that other side. It's the team owner side. I know you've you know owned a team before, but I've never been in that position. And you know, I'm sure there's a lot of red tape and a lot of politics involved. Yeah. Um, with all of that, but honestly, I don't know. There's some guys out there that I'd be like, why don't you give this guy a shot or give this guy a shot? You know. Right. So, but I guess I'm not in that team position i'm sitting here with uh you know doing our podcast so yeah we'll uh, speculate and you know try to figure out solve the world's problems yeah. why these guys are in the position they're in hey you know do you ever i never asked you this amongst i'm surprised over some cocktails we haven't talked about it but do you do you think it'd be cool if they like there was some sort of like trade trade agreement and and supercross and motocross amongst teams you know, I, 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 I think that would be, would be something very interesting to see if you could get to uh, implement into our sport, um, yeah. you know, cause there's always guys that aren't happy with their team or are not happy with their motorcycle and vice versa that would switch. Um, and the guys that are, are pumped like Eli, let's say he's going to stay where he's at. Um, so I do think that that could be something very interesting um, uh, like a trade agreement like that to see yeah. if, if it, if it could ever work. I mean, we could sit here and speculate all we want. I think looking at it would be, if I was in that position and I wasn't pumped on my, on my team or my motorcycle, having the opportunity to switch, um, if that, when, whenever that time would be, could be something cool to, to, uh, you know, experiment with, but obviously, as you know, switching teams, switching bikes, new team have to learning you you have to learn the team there's a there's a lot there so it's could be it would be a very risky move moving mid-season um but some people it might work into their favor well i just think from a you know team owner's perspective and you know i'm sure that there's certain circumstances where the rider would get hosed but at least from a team perspective you know the the team principals they they know what is at stake so they're happy making that gamble on that trade agreement so that's why i think that it it would work because you know like one team's not going to trade with the other if, if they're not stoked or they're, they're not willing to take the gamble so i don't know i just have always thought i'm like dude it'd be so epic to, if there was a trade you know like some kind of trade trading agreement yeah i think it would be really really cool and it would spice things up oh, dude, yeah could you imagine though like racing for Cowie one weekend and then dude, you're at like KTM the next that'd be, it'd be, that'd be tough. It would be tough. There would be a lot to learn and have to learn very quickly and put yourself in that position and and think about it. One week, a weekend off, Hey, we're going to, the trade agreement happens. We're switching over. You're going to get your ass on a plane, fly to California or wherever the team's based, 
and you've yeah. got to learn a new motorcycle within you know four or five days. Could be, would keep it very interesting for sure. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh couple hot topics and I um lappers so there was a lot of stuff happening in that last that last race especially the 450 right Chiz goes down with yeah that, yeah, that, that top block at the end of and the then race. you had Grant Grant Harlan like for, yeah here here's like a replay you give me your analysis on this like you tell tell me tell me what you see here and what you think should have happened in a perfect well scenario. I just uh... Yeah, you see Chiz catch the tough blocks, blow into the track. The lapper was there for, for Chase to make a decision. I just feel like I would have put myself and went up the inside. Gave, and, and So right here, pull up the inside more, but he followed him over to the right, which it's not, it's not anybody's real fault. He was trying to get out of the way, but they both went to the right. Um, I think I would have tried to come up the inside, go towards mechanics area a little bit more, open that area all up so you can make a decision if you're going to go inside or outside, give yourself some more room where they both had moved out to the outside. And I know Chase was trying to go around him, um, but that was just the easiest part to pull off the track for um, yeah. know, that lapper right there. So tough situation to be in. You can't always read the lappers right. Um, you know, but that's, that was a key point of the race there. Cooper was able to capitalize on that massively Um Probably was coming sooner gets, or later. You think he gets by him though? Like if he doesn't do, if you you think he's able to reel him in? And I mean, he was reeling him in. Honestly, Ricky, I think he was going to be able to get around him. I think he had um, at that point. If the lapper wouldn't have gotten away, and 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 Chiz just would have went down. It sucked them up so quick, so close there that yeah. Chase would have been put into a situation that I don't know if he would have if he would have been on the defensive so hard. Uh, Coop would, I think, would have been able to make a move on him. I do think Coop would, could have made a move on him. Look like, look right here. Like, watch that. I do you ever get the sense like Chase look is looking like straight down at his front wheel? Did you see? <sighs> did you see that? Like, it's it look it doesn't look like I'm thinking what you said, and I told like I didn't even think of this till you just said that. Yeah, like he's coming out of that corner. Yeah, he should have just. I mean, here we are you know, Tuesday morning quarterback in it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I mean, feel like I would have done a break slide. I feel like, you know, you or if put any of us in that situation, not talking down on chase, but like, you know, like I think I would have come up the inside, slid it around, went towards mechanics there. Like I said, open that whole straightaway up instead of bottlenecking it up into the inside. Um, that way he would have had more real estate to make a decision with, you know, yeah. he kind of boxed himself in that inside um, and then all of a sudden here's, here's Coop that just even goes even further inside and runs them out, out outside in the next right-hander. So, um, definitely a tough spot to be in. You can't, like I said, you can't read the lappers always correctly. Yeah. Um, but you definitely got to do a better job at that, especially when you get into those tracks that are tight, you know, that in section infield of, of, of that track was, was super tight there. So, um, you got to be got to be focused on what those guys are going to do and try to put yourself in the best position. Right. You got to. Yeah. You got to predict. I feel bad for uh, Harlan just because he's probably getting just 
absolutely annihilated because I, I, there, you know, like uh, there's one part where I, I don't know if it's a rule, but I think at the writers' meetings sometimes they they've said, and you know this, like, hey, if you're getting lapped, just hold your line. Hold your line, and, yeah. Yeah. So he's probably getting ruined for not holding his line although dude he was just trying to get out the way i feel bad for the guy no for sure it's it's a tough position to be in as a as as, as in harlem's position as a lapper because he's out there trying to do the best he can do and put his bike and his team up in the best position they can be in so he's out there for the same reason chase is out there just in a different position i can't um, believe i can't believe how far they lapped up to in the short amount of time that to me blew my mind i'm like because i was thinking a couple things the track was relatively fast, and I thought that everyone the, – the times were so close. So I'm like, oh, cool, there, there won't be as many lappers for that reason. And then, of course, there won't be as many lappers because the race is, is, Shorter. is not as long, you know. So, I mean, they lapped up. I want to – I had to have been like 10th tenth, tenth place, I would say. Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah, Lappers got definitely played a huge part. And at the speeds these guys are going, you know, Eli Chase, Anderson, you know, Kenny, all those top guys, um, Cooper, like they're closing in on the go- those guys really fast, you know, and mm-hmm. and fitness plays a big role in that. Like 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 you said, a 10-minute ten, ten main event, they shouldn't have really – well, shouldn't have. I shouldn't use the word shouldn't have, but you wouldn't think they would um, lap up that far. But obviously, as we've, you know, we've raced uh, Dallas a lot, that that track is technical. It's a bit slippery. Um, you know, it, 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 you get a lot of feedback through the motorcycle. And, you know, in my opinion, at Dallas, it's, it's definitely one of the was one of the harder tracks for me to race. Um, so maybe that's what you were seeing. Like those guys are just on such another. Those are uh, the top guys are on such different levels. And they were able to suck those guys up before the race was over. And I mean, they were into lappers right away. And not to mention, you're you're adding, um, you know, what we talked about 48 total laps. Um, you know, normally they're doing around 25 laps in a 20 minute, you know, session. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, definitely fitness had to play a role for for some of that. And as as those get into Moto Two, Moto Three, you know, those guys that aren't as fit, you know, they start dragging the anchor a lot quicker. Right. Did hey. And last, last topic for the weekend. And you and I talked about a little bit while we were prepping for the show on Sunday, the whoops. So yeah, we were, we got that group group text going, you know, and we've been talking about it, you know, like, and I was like, man, they're trying to blitz through the rut, which in my opinion, for me personally, was the hardest thing to do. Um, I'd always look for, even if it was a cupped out section that just didn't have a rut in it, at least I know I'm hitting things square and I, my tires aren't going to start wandering back and forth. Um, yeah, really interesting topic we're going to get onto right now with the whoops. I, I see a lot of guys going for the easy section, which is down the rut, but then like Jason right here catching the second to last one wrong and almost off the track. So, I mean, what do you think about the rut? I personally, I dislike yeah, um, I agree with you. Like, so when I see dudes or like, if I would try to blitz through a rut, yeah, for sure, I would go sideways. If anyone wants to relive the past, go to uh, Indianapolis 2002. I tried that and had the save of my life. So that one's always a good one. Um, I, I, you definitely to your point when they're when they're when there's a rut, they get beat out, as you know, and then you, yeah, you have to jump through them. So that 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 that's my opinion. But I. So here, here's my deal on on the whoops. They've been they've been a hot topic the last couple of weeks, as, as you know. And I think they're chewing up, they're chunking up a lot more than they ever have. I personally think some of it is because of the torque of the 450, and they just chew up so much. Um, they're they're getting steeper. I wish that the whoops were more round. And I wish that they were a little smaller because I feel like at that stage you can race through them or mm-hmm. if, you, if you, it's not do or die. I hate whoop competition, right? I feel like when they get too big, it's just basically, it's too much of a separator and yeah. then it's, you know, it's a whoop competition. It's not a race. I like to have whoops where they can race, race through them. And so when I was racing and even today, like, listen, I don't have a dog in the fight. I just, from a total racing perspective, I like when they're, how the, how they were this weekend. What, like, 
Let, let's get your take. If you had to build a perfect whoop pad. You know, I, I, I do agree with some of what you said there. Like, you know, having the whoops um, a little more uh, easier is not the word, but a little more consistency with, with the way they build them. Like you said, round, um, you know, cause we'll show up to some of these races and you'll have some that are, you know, nice and round, like you were talking about that are a little bit farther apart. And then you'll have some that are super steep that are close together. So, which to be honest, I actually like having the different, um, styles of whoops, you know, some are that a little steeper that are close together, some that are more round that are farther apart. Um, it's another element. It's another, um, obstacle of the course. And as we both have raced James in the past and probably one of the best guys in the whoops, you know, nine times out of 10, almost every weekend. Right. Until, until it does. Until until it, until it goes South. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that having, I, I personally, I like having the different styles of whoops because that is a separator. Um, and it makes dudes, um, have to figure out what they're going to do midway through the race. And like you said, they are chunking up more. They are getting more, more rutted. Um, the cups on the faces of them are getting bigger because we're doing more laps. You know, we're, we're based on time now. We're not based on laps. So, you know, um, around main event time, what, uh, 20 minutes roughly runs out about 25 laps, depending on the lap time. So we're getting five more laps on those, um, on that, on that track. So, um, I think that's the big, the big deciding factor in why are the whoops the way they are is just more time on them. I think they get more laps during heat races because of time they get more laps during the main event. Um, and ultimately I think it's a separator and I do like having the whoops built differently and and not having them show up every weekend and be like, okay, well, they're the same. Well, we show up every weekend and we have some weekends, we have a 72 foot triple and some weekends it'll be an 80 foot triple or the rhythm sections are very similar, but they've, they've, um, change the distances of, you know, how far you're jumping. So I, I like them. I like that they, that they're changing it up. You know, um, oh, I do think that dude. there's certain races they need to build them like you're talking about, for instance, like a triple or a, a futures race where we have, you know, 22, you know, pro-am guys that are coming in to, to ride their first supercross track. And all of a sudden they show up and they have this massive set of whoops um, that, that they struggle to get through. So, um, I think that would be the, 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 you know, one of the weekends where I would say, Hey, let's build them. Let's build them fairly basic that these won't be a deciding factor. Oh, dude. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, 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 it blows my mind. Like I'm just trying to think of different whoops, you know, like how you're saying, like you, you liked different, different style whoops one weekend, steeper, closer together, one weekend, bigger, rounder like to me man i just i I always liked him as close to the same as as possible i don't know uh, yeah i guess to each his own that's where you 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 and i <laughs> from that so you want him to build them that way this year like i like just from a fan's perspective you you'd rather see him different every single weekend I, I think so. Yeah. Or not, not every single weekend, but throw like we have some sand sections in this weekend or next weekend or vice versa, like having a set of whoops, like, Hey, these are a different set of whoops or Hey, riders meeting. We, you know, we always do track walk and then a riders meeting. It's like, Hey, sometimes they'll let us know in the past. Like, Hey, that triple is not 75 feet. It is an 80 footer. They'll let us know. Right. So you kind of know going into it, 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 it changes up. I think you're, as you're walking through the track, you know, you're not also worried about, Hey, what combination is going to be in this rhythm section here? It's like, man, how are we going to, you know, how are these whoops going to develop? Are they going to end up being jumpers? Do we have to think about that? Um, personally, I was I was a terrible, terrible whoop. Could never jump whoops um, ever. And I like the, you know, looking back, it's 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 something. It's a, it's a it's another art to be able to, to jump a set of whoops. Not only blitz a set, you know, so having those different sets built different styles built, I should say promote. Okay. Well, one weekend might be a jumper one week. It's going to be a blitz, you know? Um, so it just, it just, it's, it's not always the same. And I like the, I like the difference that they, they bring to the table when they build them a little bit different. Good stuff. You um, moving, moving on to Daytona, little preview action. Um, I know we, we talked about the big three. Um, one of the biggest races the, of the year at the beginning. Yeah. Like, like what, what, what's the mindset, you know, like, so I, I think mean, we should get into Ricky. I think we should get into talking about, you know, 
me, you, pretty much anybody in this industry considers Daytona as the midway, right? The mid, yeah. mid it's like halfway. This is like, now we're really going to see. Why do you think, why do we use that term? I guess, you know, I, everybody hears it, but I don't know if it's ever been, you know, what was your thought process about because, Daytona? Why is this halfway when it's technically actually not halfway? It's very well, close to half. <laughs> because I think like for me, and I, I think that we're similar in this regard is I just feel like towards like this point on in Daytona, if you can set the tempo for the last half of half of the season, I feel like that's where guys up until now, they think that they have a shot at the championship. And if you don't have a relatively good finish at Daytona, basic, you know, it things start to sink in and like, okay, crap, I've run out of time. It's going to take a miracle at this point, unless you are, in, in this year's situation where you got Eli and Coop with all within five points. Okay. Uh, that that's why I think, you know, guys like yourself, me, you know, like MC back in the day and where we're at now is because we know like, okay, these three guys are going to go the distance and the other, and the other guys behind them, it's just, it's going to take a miracle. So that's why I think that. And I feel like the true title contenders um, are they rise to the top of the latter part of the season. That's why, that's why I think. I agree with that. I agree with that. Daytona, um, as everybody knows, is not a traditional super cross track. It's, it's probably one of my favorite races as when I was racing, you know, like there's a lot of unknowns coming into Daytona, um, just because of the, the track open stadium. Like we've raced that race in, you know, six foot of water that one year, you know, and some of those holes, it was, it was four foot of water and sorry, four foot of water in some of those holes. There's a lot of factors that can come into Daytona, but like you said, like, I really feel that, you know, these guys, like you said, have a chance. And after Daytona, they're like, depending on what that finishes or how they felt, you know, like, I feel like that is where make or breaks those dudes. But we're, like you said, we are in a different position because the top three have like five points separating them right now. So, you know, I mean, you know, there's years I've come into Daytona with, you know, say a 15 point lead or a 12 point lead. And then I win that one. And that's kind of like the nail in the coffin. You know, when you leave there, they're like, OK, we have only six or seven races to try to bridge this gap, which, as we know, is not a lot of racing to bridge that gap. Um, and it puts them in a, in a, I guess, a dire straight position um, when they leave there, if they're, if they're not standing on top of the box. But like I said, it's a little bit different this year because we're so close in points coming in here. But I do think ultimately, like I said this before, these guys are going to have to um, ride one hell of a race to beat Eli there. If Eli has a, has a good gate drop and, and rides the way we all know he can ride and we've seen him ride at Daytona. Um, it's um, going to be an uphill battle for these guys. It, hey, although I know like, you're saying Eli has the has it has the advantage, right? But yeah. dude, you go back to last year, Cooper Webb was pretty damn good there. Like, and and I feel he's better this year than he was last year. So, I agree with that. You, you know, like, dude, he almost won the damn thing. What McElrath got in his way, like with two laps to go, maybe three. Yeah. I mean, I know he, he was close, so you know how good that. I mean, yep. I mean, Coop's pretty good defensively. Like, it's going to be hard to get by him, right? Yeah, no, he definitely rides a good defensive game. Um, you know, uh, Coop does. So I'd love to see two great starts from Eli and Coop and Chase and have have uh, an epic race at Daytona just because it's a lot longer lap time. You know, normally we're up in the 130s at, at Daytona. The track deteriorates really quick. There's yeah. so many things that, that play a factor. As you know, the, the lighting, the lighting's great, but the dirt is so dark. Yep. Um, there's so many factors into, into Daytona. Um, and I think that's why it's such a prestigious race to win also. And when you leave there, you're like, I just won, you know, Daytona, you know, Supercross. So it's, it's, a, it's a big one coming up this weekend. Well, going to Daytona, I think, it, uh, I think it's that time we take a little, uh, little view of the track map. Very similar to uh, last year. Uh, I love this start. RV comes into a, a, a pretty good radius, not super, super tight. Obviously, inside is going to be the key, but then a gnarly rhythm section right here. 
Yeah, very technical. Um, just that what's that about a 90 degree turn coming into a, a gnarly rhythm section into a triple onto a tabletop. Yeah. Very, you know, and, and guys, these these tracks are going to break down. Um, you know, the, like I said, the lighting is is good, but with this dark dirt, then going to the white sand. Here's a very technical section. I Daytona love that. Always Dude, brings I in, love that you know, it brings in that sugar sand, and yeah. can, it seems like yeah. you never can survive it. Yeah, beach sand right here, and this it gets pretty tight right here. Everyone, keep your eye out inside, outside. This was a key part right here. This moment, that that tight 180. Then they come up underneath the tunnel. Uh, pretty self-explanatory uh, section right here. Hard to do much there as far as the uh, because of the footing constraints that we have. And then a super cross section, super cross whoops, Ryan. Yeah, you know, like I love to see a dragon's back. Daytona, like like I just mentioned, breaks breaks down. And what's interesting about Daytona was always fun to race. Is you might have a bitch in line on the inside of one of these turns, but three laps later, the outside is now a good line. So um definitely uh, these riders need to be on the lookout for for developing lines i feel like that's something that i was really good at you know just riding trying lines on the track where you'd have a guy like dunge that would just hit his marks every single time good or bad rut he made it fast where i was like well that one's that one's too deep or that one's too rough i'm gonna try over here um that's something i think daytona promotes different lines great passing a lot of one-line sections too, but putting yourself in a position to follow through the one-line sections, and then when the track opens up and you know you're faster or have a different line, um, you're able to capitalize on and, and strike and make that pass quick. So it always promotes great racing at Daytona. Yeah, and certainly, like, I mean, if, if this track, and very similar to last year, last year was epic racing, especially with that uh, that split lane right there before the finish. I mean, it'd be awesome if it came down to the last lap before the checkered flag and you know, the, the split lane was the determining factor of, of who wins today. Tahona Supercross would be a lot of fun to see. But uh, to your point, you, you hit some some great points that I that I didn't even think about. It just kind, kind of comes naturally. Yeah, that track is always changing. And uh, they're going to have their hands full. Hey, and then last on, on Daytona, well, a couple things. So 250. I, I think people better watch out for J-Mart, bro. I, the, dark, the dark horse. Dude. I'm telling you, right? Yeah, he um, he wrote a he actually right here. We're watching him. He crosses the finish line here, and he didn't even know that he had he had won this. You know, so as we know, J Mart has um, he's rode really well at Daytona in the past. Um, stepped up and rode the 450 class a couple years ago for Honda and finished I think second, second or third. Um, that was his first time on a 450. Um, out at Daytona, I think racing at 450 in general was, was I think it was factory connection at the time. Um, you know, so definitely a dark horse here in, in, in the lights class for Jeremy Martin. We all know that he's kind of more of an outdoor specialist than a supercross. Um, you know, so if we can see some good things from him, he might put on a late charge um, in this season here and, and make up some crucial points. Yeah, I, I think, dude, I, I everyone, dude, if you're a bet man, like I'm not a bet man. Uh, but everybody better keep their eye on him. That's all I'm saying. Um, so I got to give you some mad props here. I'm looking at our man, Clinton Fowler from Fowler's Packs, our statistician, statistician coming in. So you have four wins out of six starts. Your win percentage is 67%. Uh, that's pretty insane, dude. I mean, Eli's got 67%. You guys smoked me and Stanton. Stanton's got 50%. Uh, that's his win percentages. I'm I'm at 63. 63. Yeah, I got yours yeah, highlighted right guys, here. Five five wins, eight starts, 63 I think, win percentage. Dude, I think you are. Uh, I think you your win percentage in Supercross is is the best. I think too, the highest. I think. I think yeah, you know it's. Um, you were in and out, dude. You went there. I was in and out. Won um, titles. It's <laughs> interesting to. Yeah, you did you your know, stuff. <laughs> Yeah, got in, got out. You know, it's it's it, uh, my kid Brax. One of my boys was like, "Hey, dude, I want to watch something with you." I'm, you know, not that he said I'm tired of watching Supercross. You know, the current guys, but let's see something of you. I was like, "Okay, get on YouTube, get you know, pull up some, pull up the old archives because that's the only place you're gonna see me." <laughs> and uh, and I actually pulled up. Somebody made a 25 minute long video of race wins, and you know, going back to that, you know, looking at win percentages and things like that. Um, I guess I've never looked into into it that much. And then you're like, holy, holy cow, like 
man, I won a lot. And then I think one of the outdoor seasons, it said that I'd won 18 races out of 24, which no, I had no idea. Um, you know, honestly had, I didn't know I won that many in one season. So, um, you know, that was kind of cool to see, bring the boys up, see that, you know, get them to see that. But yeah, these guys are, you know, 67% here, 63 for you, Ricky, Eli's 67, six, you know, he's got six wins in nine starts, um, at Daytona. So, um, we got a we got a race on our hands here. We do, we do. Hey, uh, speaking of Daytona, be sure to watch it this weekend exclusively uh, on Peacock. Race Day Live starts at 1:30 p.m. I always like Race Day Live. Also, kind of gets you amped up. You can see who's um, who's doing what, how guys are feeling. Keep in mind, though, Daytona is gonna, as you know, RV. It's gonna change uh, nonstop, but. Uh, so once uh, RDL is over, like I said, switch back, switch over to Peacock. Should be really good. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, also, while I'm getting some mentions in, starting this week, I think that our, our listeners and watchers will like this. Uh, starting this week, leave a question on our Title 24 Instagram page. We'll choose one next week to receive a free quad lot case. All of our partners, we're going to do giveaways uh, each week, which is really fun through um, through our Instagram and submit your questions, whether they're uh, negative, positive. We want you to be open and transparent. Uh, we'll give you we'll give you the feedback. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. Um, thanks to our partners, United Motorsports, for coming on board. Boxo USA, Quadlock, some great companies. Check them out on the interwebs. Um, Title 24 is off and running. It's been great, hasn't it, RV? Pretty fun. No, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. It, uh, it's fun to be on here um, with URC and, and try to, you know, give our best, um, you know, analyze the best we can and uh, also keep it fun and, and, and also a little controversial. You know, nobody wants everybody to agree all the time. And like I said, like you said, to submit those questions and if it's something a little hairy well we'll we'll get on there and we'll see uh if we can break it down for you well enough and and keep it entertaining for you guys so hey, title 24 is here and it's here to stay hey we ain't uh, we ain't scared to shut down some keyboard warriors are we bud no no that's that's what we do some that's some of the best stuff we do yeah we're uh hey we're gonna be weekly throughout supermoto cross season make sure you guys tune in uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcast or watch it on demand at the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page, NBCSports.com or Peacock. And don't forget to like the show and leave your comments. I'm, we're going to keep drilling that. It gives us content for, uh, for to talk with you guys, our viewers and watchers about. And uh, we're going to do it again next week. Teets and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.